You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Y'all really did it this time. Y'all really packed the house. Look at this place. This is crazy. I'm just curious, if somebody brought you here tonight, would you just wave your hand in the air like you just don't care? Okay. Hey, would you make some noise for our first time guests tonight, New Song students? (laughs) Man, we're excited tonight, y'all. Let's go. You look good. You look really good. If you you didn't get a chance to meet me yet and it's your first time here, my name is Jackson. Um, I'm the student pastor. And I just want to, like, seriously, I know I do this every week, but this is your first time. So I want to say welcome to you. And I want to just say this. We're all wearing our basketball jerseys, our football jerseys. It's a sports night. I just want to let you know, if it's your first time, you need a home court advantage. You need a home court advantage. And if you don't have a church family that you're a part of on a weekly basis, I'm not talking about you got a church that you go to, like, Every couple weeks or like you float around. I'm saying if you don't have a church family that you are connected with and you're, you're a part of the body of Christ, I want to let you know, man, we would love for you to join our crazy family right here and New Song students. Jesus is really uh, changing a lot of lives in this room. If Jesus has changed your life, would you just show a hand, please? If he's healed you, if he's changed you in any way, let's go. So, So if you're new and you're interested in that, maybe that's something you think you're lacking in your life, man, New Song Students is the place for you, and I'd love to see you come back next week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go. But I know we've had a fun night so far. We had some really, I mean, honestly, I had a drink that was better than Swig back there. Did you? My goodness. We had some, we've had some good drinks. We've, uh... Played a little basketball, warmed up a little bit. We've got a tournament happening after this message. We got a lot of fun stuff happening tonight, but I want to focus in really quick on what really matters. Amen? Because, like, all that stuff is great. Um, You know, going to a fun youth ministry is cool, but it's not as good as going to a place where you're actually going to meet Jesus and you're actually going to encounter Jesus. And so that's our focus tonight. Even though with with all the fun stuff we're doing, Jesus is still our focus. And we've actually been in a two week series. On revival. You saw that video, Why Not Us? Somebody say, Why Not Us? And we are believing, we're crazy enough to believe that God actually wants to start a revival here in our city, in Oklahoma City, in Edmond. And we have been, over the last two weeks, talking about revival because we want to be a youth ministry where God looks down from heaven and he says, I can use those crazy students to bring revival. And we want to be a youth ministry that looks up at God and says, God, you can use me, right? And so that's what we've been focusing on the last two weeks. It's been a really great series. If you're new, we have a podcast. You can go back and listen to those messages. But last week, uh, Pastor Maddie, she was talking about how revival's great. That's something we want to chase after. And we want to see God change our city out there, outside of these four walls, but revival's never going to happen if it doesn't start right here. Like, revival's got to start here in your heart, in a human heart, before it can get anywhere else. And so what I want to talk about really quickly tonight is just, I want to look at a scripture in John chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible with you, turn to John chapter 15. If you're going to take notes, which I encourage you to, I know it's packed the house, but we're still here for God's word, right? Yeah. So take some notes. 
follow along with me. But John chapter 15, this is a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And the context of this conversation is the upper room, and it's the Last Supper. So this is the last moment that Jesus has, one of the last moments he has with his disciples, and he knows what's ahead of him. He knows that after they leave this upper room, that he's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to sweat drops of blood. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to bear all of the world's sin, the worst pain anybody has ever experienced. He knows this is coming for him, and it's almost like the closer Jesus gets to that moment, the more serious the atmosphere gets for Jesus, the more clear he's being with his disciples about who he is, why he came, and what they need to know. It's like his last manifesto statement. He's like, guys, y'all need to know why I'm here. I'm making it as plain and simple for you. No more parables, because y'all don't get parables. Bless your hearts. He said, I'm just going to go as plain and simple as I possibly can, and this is where we get Jesus giving us an I am statement. It's an amazing one. And I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture to you, but I think that's good because we're in church, right? Right? And I hope that you would rather hear words from Jesus' mouth than than me. So we're going to read some words from Jesus tonight. Uh, We're going to read 12 passages, and then we're going to pray and jump into the rest of this message. So John chapter 15, verse 1. It'll be up on the screen behind me. Really read along with me, and I want you to just let these words sink into your heart because this is Red letter stuff right here. This is Jesus talking to us. He says, I am the true vine. Somebody say true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch can bear fruit as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. So look to your neighbor and say, you're a branch. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Whoa, that's a crazy promise right there from Jesus. By this, my Father is glorified that you will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Jesus loves you. I know it's really cliche, but this is Jesus talking to us right now. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Insert your name there. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Does anybody want the joy of Jesus in them? Let's go. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Amen. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message is Stay Put. Stay Put. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your presence in this place. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are here and you want to speak and that you are the true vine and that nothing happens apart from you. That, Jesus, we can't do a single thing that lasts unless we do it partnered with you. 
So God, would you show us tonight what it looks like to be a branch that is connected to the vine? Jesus, would you show us what it looks like in our life to be a person abiding in you so we can bear fruit, so we can walk in your love, so we can have your joy in our life. We ask these things in your mighty, precious name. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. All right, so we're in the book of John, John chapter 15. This is um, the only book in all of the Bible and all the gospels where we get these I am statements from Jesus. And Jesus is doing some really specific stuff through these statements. He's doing two things. He's letting all of us know who he is, which is kind of obvious, I am this. And he's also letting us know through that statement, this is who I am, and this is how you are going to be in relationship with me. So I want to break that down. I know that's really simple, but let's break that down for a second. The first thing Jesus is doing through these I am statements is he is self-defining himself. And this sounds kind of weird, but we need to recognize that sometimes we get in relationships with other people and we come into this relationship with a lot of assumptions, hello, (laughs) a lot of assumptions about who that person is and how we think they're wired. And this is going to happen to every single one of you the second you get married one day. Um, You're going to get married to a person that you thought you knew, and then you're going to be like, who in the world did I just marry? (laughs) Uh, because whether we, whether we realize it or not, we don't, we don't define other people. Like, they define themselves to us, and then we have to learn how to love them as they are, right? For instance, my wife Haley and I are, are, are wired very differently. Um, I've shared this before with you guys, so this might sound familiar to you, but my wife Haley is a night owl. Any night owls? Raise your hand, loud and proud. We would not be good friends. <laughs> Because uh, Haley is a night owl, and I am not. I don't know if there's another word for that, a not a night owl. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not an early person either. I'm just not a night owl. But it's seriously, it's the funniest thing. If I had like a hidden camera in my house, you would see the same thing happen every single night. At 10.30 o'clock at night, um, it's like at the moment 10.30 hits, it's like a little evil fairy has just like dropped a five-hour energy in Haley's cup of water and she just starts like getting super bubbly and she's like super excited and wants to hang out and that same fairy dropped a melatonin in my water because like I'm starting to get really sleepy and I fall asleep during so many movies next to Haley and it makes her so mad because she's like she's like Jackson you're missing out on the best part of me like my best version of myself is at 10.30 at night, and you're missing out on it. And you know what? We've been married five years, and she has made zero progress in turning me into a night owl. And I have made zero progress in turning her into a night owl. Like, it hasn't happened. And that's because in a relationship, you have to learn how to compromise. You have to learn how to submit. You have to learn how to love those people as they are, you don't, I've never tried, I mean, I've tried, but it doesn't work. I've tried to tell Haley, like, hey, you should want to go to bed earlier. It's a responsible thing to do. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. (laughs) It hasn't changed her. And in the same way, through all of these I am statements from Jesus, Jesus is self-defining because you need to know that we all come to a relationship with Jesus with a lot of assumptions about who he is. We have a lot of assumptions about who he is 
what it looks like to be in relationship with him, what he's going to do for our life. And what I love about Jesus is he is so clear. Because some people are not clear about who they are and what they like. And it's really hard to be in relationship with people like that. But Jesus is clear. And so what I want to do is look at three things that this statement from Jesus does for us in our relationship with him. So if you're taking notes, write this down. What does John 15 do for us? How does it show us who Jesus is and what it is like to be in a relationship with this Jesus and what comes from that? The first one is this. This passage from Jesus informs us about a lot of things. The first is this. Look at this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Okay, so for the majority of us in this room, we've all seen a picture of a vineyard, right? Has anybody seen a vineyard in person? Raise your hands. Nice. So we've all, we're all familiar with what a vineyard is, what a vine looks like, but um, for the disciples who were hearing this from Jesus, there was, a lot more, um, there was a lot more familiarity to a vineyard because if you were to live in ancient Israel, you would see vineyards all over the place. This was a very normal part of your life. And so this phrase that Jesus is saying would have been loaded with a lot more meaning than sometimes it does for us as a modern day believer. So in ancient Israel, if you were to be there, you would see vines everywhere, not just physically. You wouldn't just see rolling hills of vineyards and, vi- and olive trees and wine being made everywhere, but you would also see pictures of vines in things like the temple and the synagogue because vines are like a, a major biblical symbol of God's provision, God's blessing, God's favor on your life. Actually, it's supposed to bring you back to the Garden of Eden. That's what all the vineyards and the vines inside of the temple would be. It was supposed to be like you're walking back into the presence of God and the Garden of Eden. But the symbolism, the symbolism actually goes even deeper than just the Garden of Eden, and it goes deeper than God's provision and God's blessing over your life. When Jesus was saying John in John chapter 15 that I am the true vine, this would have blown the disciples' minds because they thought they were the true vine. The disciples thought, wait, you're the true vine? I thought we were the true vine because all throughout the Old Testament, we see God calling his children, the children of Israel, a true vine. I want to show you a couple of scriptures of this too, really quick. Isaiah chapter five, look at this. It says this, my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed a wine vat in it. He looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Somebody say, ew. We're gonna get to that in just a second. What we have in Isaiah chapter five is we have a picture of God who is the vine dresser. He's the vineyard owner. And he sees Israel, and he wants to plant Israel to flourish. So God does all of the work. He digs out a wine vat. He picks the right seed. He plants them in perfect soil. But what does God get in return? What does he get in return? Wild grapes. Look at this next one, Jeremiah chapter 2. Long ago, I broke the yoke that oppressed you, talking about Egypt when they were in slavery, and tore away the chains of your slavery. But still you said, I will not serve you. On every hill and on under every green tree, you have prostituted yourselves by bowing down to idols. But I was the one who planted you, choosing the vine of the purest stock, the very best. How did you grow up to this corrupt, wild vine? 
So we see God, he's this vine dresser who's excited. He's excited to have a harvest, to plant this seed and to get some, some really tasty grapes out of the children of Israel. And we see God doing everything in his power to put them in the best possible scenario for fruit to be produced. What, is he, what does it say he does? He digs everything out. He makes a watchtower, picks the right seeds. He even gets rid of like pestilence. He gets rid of nasty bugs that are going to eat up his grapes. He does it all, and he gets wild berries, or wild grapes back in return. Now, some of y'all are like, well, I would eat a wild grape. Has anybody ever eaten a wild fruit in the forest before? So yeah, like all of us would like maybe see a grape and we're like, it can't be that bad. It's just wild. So I didn't get it at Walmart, right? But that's not, that's not what this wild grape is. That wild grape is actually the Hebrew word biushim. And that means this, stinking or worthless thing or stink berries. Somebody say stink berries. So what I want you to see is that in this little, in this little passage in Isaiah and Jeremiah, we see a picture of the entire Old Testament narrative. And what is that? We see God choosing his people, God having mercy on them, God giving them favor, God, get, God getting rid of all of the enemies and obstacles only to get rejection in return, idol worship in return, sin, death, all of these things from his own people. That's what he got in return. And you know what? This isn't just a picture of the children of Israel. It's a picture of me, and it's a picture of you. Because y'all need to know that before I gave my life to Jesus, before I fully surrendered my life to Jesus and chose to abide in him when I was a senior in high school, I was around the vine all the time. I was in close proximity to Jesus and the vine, but I definitely wasn't connected to the vine. I had never made that choice to stay put in Jesus for myself. And you know what I see at the same time when I look back at my life? I see God doing what he did with the children of Israel to me, pursuing me, speaking to me, having favor in my life, giving me mercy, trying to get my attention over and over and over again. And you know what I gave God in return? My rejection, my half, half of my attention. I gave him my sin. I gave him all of these things. I was a stinkberry. Somebody say, I'm a stinkberry. I was a stinkberry. I gave him rejection and disobedience and sin, all of these things in return, but all of that changed when I chose to connect myself to something greater, when I chose to connect to the vine. And it wasn't like my life instantly got easier and, and like all of the sins in my life that I struggled with were instantly gone, but what happened was those chains of sin and death broke. They broke completely. And I started to live from a new life source, which is what we're going to talk about in just a second. So you see, the children of Israel, this phrase from Jesus would have wrecked their box because they thought they were the true vine. And sometimes all of us, we think we're the true vine. But you need to know tonight that Jesus is the only true vine. And Jesus didn't say, listen to me, he didn't say that he was the only vine that exists in this world. He said, I'm the only true vine that exists in this world. That means you can connect yourself to lots of other different vines in this world, but those things are only going to produce death in your life. They're only going to produce fruit that rots and does not last, just like the children of Israel. In fact, they had only two vines to connect to outside of God, and they're the same two vines that we can connect to. We can either connect to 
ourself, which is the vine of pride, or we connect to something else, which is, guess what? Idols. And we see this over and over and over again with the children of Israel. When they connect to themselves in pride, they fall into legalism, and they think that they can receive the life that God has for them outside of God, or they fall into idol worship, which is where anything that's placed in front of them, that's what they chase after except God. You see, there are plenty of other vines in this world, students, that you can connect your life to, but I'm telling you, none of them will produce fruit in your life that is going to last. You can connect yourself to pride. You can connect yourself to outside sources, to trying to get somebody to affirm you in your life, to drinking because maybe that's the best you feel and it makes you feel like everything's okay, to a person affirming you and, and but they don't really want what's best for you. You can connect yourself to so many different things in this world, but Jesus is the only true vine. Guzik says this, David Guzik says, we must be rooted in him, not Israel, if we will bear fruit for God. In the new covenant community, our first identification is in Jesus Christ himself, not in Israel or even in the church. So sometimes we find ourselves like I did growing up where we, our, our roots are in the church, which is a good thing, but they're not actually in Jesus himself. And what Guzik just told us and what all this is telling us is that the church is good. Youth group is great. But Jesus has to be the thing you're rooting your life into and abiding in because you can come in here every single week and never be connected to the vine. John 15, 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Here's another thing Jesus lets us know about what it's going to look like when we're in relationship with him. If you're taking notes, write this down. Addition and subtraction are both a part of being connected to Jesus. I'm going to say that again because somebody didn't get that. Addition and subtraction are both a part of being connected to Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. So many of us, we think that when we give our life to Jesus, only addition is going to come. Only good fruit's going to come. Only open doors are going to come. Only an easier life that is going to come after I follow Jesus. And that is true. Jesus says himself that I have come that you may have life and have it more. Just making sure you guys are paying attention. Life and life more abundantly. Jesus says that. So good things absolutely, absolutely do follow your decision to abide in Jesus. There's favor that comes with abiding in Jesus. There's peace. There's joy. All these good things come. But you know what else happens when you follow Jesus for a while? You get pruned a little bit. You get pruned. And what is pruning? Well, pruning is the process of cutting away things that are unproductive. That's all pruning is. It's just the cutting away of things that are un, un, unproductive. And when we see Jesus describing himself as the vine and God as the, as the vine dresser, I think sometimes we get the picture that when I follow Jesus, the Father wants to cut out anything I like in my life. Like we think like if I give Jesus my life, what if he just comes through and he just starts chainsawing everything that I like in my life? Like he's like, you like video games? No more video games because you're following me. You like dance? No more dance because you're following me. You like anything? No fun because you're following me. But that's not what pruning looks like when you connect yourself to Jesus. Like God's not trying to take your life away. He actually wants to give you life, 
But in order to do that, he is going to prune away things in your life that don't bear fruit, that are unproductive. And when, we, when I was studying this out, I saw a video of a modern-day vine dresser explaining this passage, and I thought he said some really cool stuff about it. The first thing he said was, a lot of people come to my vineyard, and they look at all of the fruit being produced, and they're like, dude, you look like you're making some bank with this. Like, there's so many trees out here. I bet you're producing so much crop. But he looked at this person, and he said, you know what? Producing grapes um, is actually a really risky business to get into, but you don't grow grapes because of the money. You do it because you love to grow grapes. And what I love about that is that is such a beautiful picture of our relationship to God because you know what? You and I are a risky crop for God to invest into. Like, because God's gonna invest so much more into you and not get that much in return, but it's because he loves you. It's because he wants to produce fruit in you. And not only that, but something else that this guy said in the video, um, he said that, with all the technology we have today, we still have to go through every single vine hand by hand. There's not a machine or a piece of technology that we've created to make this easier. You still have to do it intentionally hand by hand. And you know, that's exactly how God the Father wants to prune your life. Like it's not just him coming through and just, you know, if it looks good, he'll just take it from you. No, if God is asking you to lay something down, if God is asking you to cut something away because it's unproductive, it's because he's looked at everything in your life and he loves you and he's a detailed vine dresser and he wants to only produce good fruit in you. And this is what God wants for you. It's not about cutting away. It's about lifting up what's weak so fruit can be produced. And the second thing we need to know about this is that the fruit being produced in our life is not necessarily stuff. Like God wants to produce fruit in our life, but that doesn't necessarily mean all the favor, all the open doors, all the blessing. What he really wants to produce in you, what I believe is the fruit of the spirit. God wants to produce the fruit of the spirit because he said in that passage that when you love me, you'll obey my commandments, you'll walk in the love that I have for you. And that's really the fruit that God wants to produce in us. So this, this passage from Jesus informs us about two very important things, that number one, he is the only true vine, that there's a lot of other distractions in this world that we can connect ourselves to, but they won't produce real fruit in our life. He's the only true vine. The second thing is that, man, a life with Jesus is a thousand percent better, but it's not necessarily easier with Jesus because fruit has to be pruned, but it's only because he wants to bear more fruit in your life the second thing that this passage does for us is it encourages us. It encourages us. There's a phrase in that speech that Jesus is giving that kind of seems random. It's at the start, but it's not random. It's incredible. He says this to his disciples. He says, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And this is amazing if you think about the people that he is speaking to. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Already, you're clean because of the word I've spoken over you. Think about these guys. In just a few short hours, some of these men are going to betray Jesus. They're going to walk away from him. Only a small handful of them are actually going to be there at the foot of the cross. Only one of his disciples is actually going to be there besides his mother and Mary. So like all of these dudes that he's talking to, he's He's talking to dudes that are going to completely reject him in just a few hours. And he says, 
already you're clean because of the word I have spoken over you. What I, what I want you to see is that God chose you way before you ever chose him, New Song students. Like God looks at you and he says, no, 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 it's not about the fruit you produce in your life. Like your focus and your walk with Jesus doesn't need to be, okay, do I look like my pastor? Do I look like that person? Am I, am I, am I growing fruit? Am I not sinning? Am I doing all of the perfect things? No, your fruit, your, your focus doesn't need to be on what you are producing. Your focus needs to be on staying put in Jesus. Because Jesus looks at you and he says, no, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken over you. The third thing that this passage does for us, and I want to invite the band to come up as we get ready to close, is this passage, what I love about this is it humbles us. Somebody say humbles us. This passage humbles us. John Trapp says this. He's a theologian. He says, all of our sap, all of our safety is from Christ. The bud of a good desire, the blossom of a good resolution, the fruit of a good action all come from Jesus. And here's why this passage of Jesus being the vine should humble all of us in the room tonight, myself included. It's because this, any good that you see in another Christian that you look up to, guess where it came from? Jesus. Any fruit that you see in a person that you look up to and you strive for and you want to become one day, guess what? It's possible for you because it didn't come from them. It came from Jesus. So that means, guess what? You can stop looking at them and thinking, I'll never become that. You can stop looking at them and thinking, I'll never be able to do what they're doing because the only person that formed that fruit in them was Jesus. It wasn't them. It was Jesus in them. And on, on the other side, this should also humble us because guess what? Sometimes we look at other people's bad fruit and we judge them and we think, how could you do that? I would never do that. Have you ever had that thought before? You've seen somebody do something, maybe they betrayed you and you thought to yourself, man, how could they do that? I would never do something like that. Here's what that shows me. Actually, you could and you might because the only reason why death is produced is because of a lack of abiding in Jesus. So that means that all of the good fruit in my life, guess what, it all points to Jesus. And all of the bad fruit in my life, it just points to a lack of connecting to Jesus. And here's what's so amazing about that. At the end of the day, our focus doesn't need to be us trying to grow fruit in our life harder. It just needs to be this, staying put. Are you choosing to stay put? What, is, what does Jesus say so beautifully in John chapter 15, verse five? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch of withers and, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But look at that. Anybody who abides in Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. Man, I've done some stuff. I have a past. I know I'm a pastor, but I also have a past and I've done some crap. But God has saved me. And God has redeemed me. And any good fruit that you see in my life that you think like, man, I would love that. Guess what? It wasn't me. It was me staying put. It was just me connecting to the vine. Jesus is the only vine worth connecting to. 
And so our job is not to try and produce the good fruit. Our job is just to stay put. When the storm comes, your job isn't to figure out why the storm came. It's just to do what? To stay put in Jesus. When it seems like everything in your life is going wrong, your, your goal isn't to look inward and say, man, did I do this? What am I doing wrong? Do I need to be doing more? No, no, no. Your job is just to stay put. That's it. Your job isn't to clean up the mess. Your job isn't to fix yourself. Your job is just to stay connected to the vine. And I promise you, when you do, you will see fruit produced in your life. And as I was praying about this message today, I got a picture of somebody and we're gonna respond in just a second to this. But I got, a, I got a picture of a person who you're hearing this message and you're thinking like, that's great that Jesus is the true vine and that if I connect to him, that there's gonna be fruit in my life. But like, I've tried that stuff before. Like I've tried that Jesus stuff and I didn't see fruit. Like I've tried church and I got hurt. I've tried reading my Bible and it doesn't make sense. Like I've tried those things and that's great for you, Pastor Jackson, but I haven't, it doesn't work for me. I haven't seen it. And I got that picture of a person who was thinking those thoughts this morning. And the picture that Jesus gave me is the picture that scripture talks about being grafted into the vine. Now, when you graft a branch into a vine, when, that's just basically taking another branch, making some cuts in the vine and connecting them together. But you don't just stick that branch on there and then it's just automatically there. You graft it in, you tape it up, there's support, and over time, the vine takes over the branch. It's not an instant process, but it is a process that when you stay put, like if I were to just stick that branch on and just be like, that didn't work, and it just fell down, I'd be like, well, that didn't work. Well, it's because you didn't, you didn't stay put. But when you stay put and you give that vine time to overcome you and to overtake you, you become part of the vine. Jesus becomes a part of you. And I just got this picture of somebody who was like, man, I've tried that Jesus stuff but it just didn't work. And my question for you is, did you stay put? Did you really stay put? Because I believe all of, with all my heart that if you stay put, fruit has to come. It's not a matter of if fruit's gonna come, but when fruit is gonna come in your life. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes and receive